It's no secret that real estate is one of the best investment vehicles out there. But with all the current uncertainty, how do we know when and where to put our hard-earned money to work for us? It's easy to become distracted by that shiny object or the quote-unquote next best thing. So how do we determine which strategies will best align with our financial goals? Whether you're an active real estate entrepreneur, a passive investor, or looking to get into real estate investing, our goal is to provide investors with the insights and strategies to build our portfolios all while protecting our capital. I'm Danny Nichols. And I'm Chris Thompson. This is the Two Smart Assets Real Estate Investing Podcast. If you're interested in passive real estate investing, but aren't sure how or where to get started, our Passive Investing Guide walks you through the entire process from understanding the benefits to performing due diligence. Download your copy today at twosmartassets.com and start taking action. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the show. This is the Two Smart Assets Real Estate Investing Podcast. I am your host, Danny Nichols, and this week we're bringing you another highlights episode where we bring back guests to discuss how they were able to successfully invest in real estate while working a full-time W-2 job. We know this topic resonates with a lot of you out there, as it does with ourselves as well, so make sure to check it out. And don't forget to leave us a rating and written review on iTunes and also subscribe to the show on YouTube or your favorite podcast app so you won't miss an episode. All right, let's dive into it with Colin Plackey, Savannah Arroyo, Hendra Tambunen, and Jeff Anzalone. Let's, let's go back and t- dive into a little bit more of your story real quick. So you're only gas and you know, you're wanting to smooth out the, you know, the volatility. Tell us about some of those real estate investments you made and kind of uh, what they look like. Yeah, sure. So um, I got started where a lot of people will get started in that single family. And, you know, that's probably for two reasons. Number one, the vast majority of education out there and, uh, you know, information online and learning materials and stuff like that is focused on single family. It's just a bigger uh, ocean that people play in. And the other part of that was, you know, I just had this kind of comfort level with one door at a time, you know, taking things slowly, if you will. Um, you know, looking back and all the growth that I've done over the past couple of years, uh, it's kind of funny, like that to me today is a red flag. Like if it's in my comfort zone, I'm not doing it today. But back then I was like, you know, I just want to do one house at a time. Um, and so I did that, you know, I started with uh, the good old Burr method for you people that follow bigger pockets. That's the buy rehab uh, refinance repeat and started with single family houses doing that, bought a house in Fort Worth and numbers wise, it was a home run, but you know, it was an extensive rehab there. Uh, you know, at any given day I was fielding calls, you know, trying not to field them at work. I was scheduling things outside of work hours, but you know, if my contractor calls and, um, I need to answer it. You know, I was fielding that call at at work for two months. It was, you know, contractors, property management, you know, title attorneys, you name it. I'm dealing with it because I'm the guy, right? Single family, you're the guy. It's lone wolf, right? Right. And um, I realized, you know, in order to reach my goals, I was going to have to have somewhere between 50 to 60 single family houses, uh, which is perfectly doable. There's a ton of people that have done that. However, for my particular situation, being a busy professional, having a W-2 job that I needed to focus on, um, it wasn't going to work for me. You know, it was two and a half months of fielding calls and kind of, you know, a distraction from my full-time job. And you have to admit, like, that would be the ultimate irony, right, is I lose my job because I'm trying to build up stability for my job, right? Like, I love what I do. I don't want to leave this industry. Um, This is all about, you know, just creating stability to where I can enjoy my job, my industry, my peers, a lot better knowing I have that kind of comfort. 
So, uh, you know, I, I don't want to make this story too long, but basically I went from single family into multifamily because, um, you know, you, you just get more efficiency, more scale. There is, it's easier to get more houses for the same amount of work, if that makes sense. And I quickly went from single family to large multifamily transactions, you know, 85 unit plus. Uh, typically, we don't look at things below 100 units at this point. And really, um, kind of the, the thought process behind that is it's no longer a one man show at that point. You know, 100 units or more, I've got anywhere from three to eight partners taking that down. And we play off each other's strengths. You know, um, there's things that I'm terrible at that they're great at and vice versa. And we just kind of, you know, pool our value together to take down these bigger deals. And sure, you're getting, you know, a, a small piece of the pie, but it's a very large pie. Mm -hmm. You know, these are 10 to $40 million deals. And the scalability, the efficiency and everything behind multifamily is why I ended up making that switch. So today, you know, I've got a portfolio of around... Um, and I, I did start passively investing first. I should say that, um, you know, I, I kind of dipped my toe by passively investing, learning the business, and then started find, figuring out like where I could provide value to the general partnerships to get on the active side. So today I'm sitting at roughly 560 units for passive investments and about 430 for um, active investments. And actually, we just got under contract for another 267 um, coming up. So, you know, we've got a lot of things in the works right now as well. That's awesome. Yeah. Congratulations on that. Uh, you know, uh, sounds like you're making some big moves there and, and you're talking about, you know, scalability. It sounds like you've, uh, you know, you've made some moves relatively quickly too, uh, with that scaling with the multifamily, uh, the, a couple of things I want to touch on real quick is, uh, you know, talking about kind of backtrack, you're talking about, you know, your comfort zone, you recognize something like, Oh, maybe I'm feeling a little too comfort comfortable right now. Red flag immediately goes off. Hey, you know, we need to change something here. And I've kind of felt something similar over the past, you know, year or so it's like, Hey, if I'm really uncomfortable with something, I need to go do that immediately. Like, it's just one of those totally. red flags. Yeah. Like, Hey, you know, I'm uncomfortable. Let's go do this. And so that's kind of what started us on our real estate investing journey too, was like, Hey man, whatever we're doing isn't working the way we want it to. So we need to change something. Right. And then, you know, as soon as you start doing that, you feel that resistance and you're like, Oh, I don't, I don't know if this is going to work, but you know, the mindset shift being like, as soon as you feel that, you have to do it. You know, it's a, yeah, that's where you, you grit your teeth and, and push even harder. Right. I mean, all the growth, all of your personal growth, both financially and personally happens outside of your comfort zone. And, you know, there's a lot of people that can attest to that. Uh, yeah, uh, uh, absolutely. 100%. And another thing that I want to touch on too, is it, it, and I relate so much to it is, and I, I know Chris does too, but you know, you're talking about, you know, you're working this job in the oil and gas industry. You started out in single family and you're basically trying to do this on your own. Like I said, you're the lone wolf. So here you are, you're basically have created yourself a second job, right? And the, the one thing that I know about, at least my experience in the oil and gas industry, and I know it's similar for you as well, is that you work a ton. I mean, usually, I mean, you're just it's work. It's a lot of work, man. And so, you know, creating that second job, especially if you're all over the country, you know, you're out in the oil field or wherever, it makes it, it makes it really tough. You know, what's going to happen when you start investing, you can either take that active side or you can, you know, take that passive side. So I think that's a, a lot of people that I've spoken with in, in the oil field that I talk to, because, you know, when you're out there in the oil field, you're spending, you know, days at weeks, you know, with the same people. And so you get to, you get to, you know, really know these people. And, uh, I think that, um, it's, it's crazy because you end up talking to them and learning a lot about them. But, um, the one thing that I want to talk about is, is, you know, 
for those people who are really worried about getting started in, in real estate investing and, you know, getting that second job, like, Hey, you know, I don't, I don't have time for that. Well, what do you say to them? You know, how do they, how can they actually get started in, you know, multifamily passive investing? Like, how do I even get started in that? What would you say to that, that busy professional? Yeah. I mean, if, if it's a busy professional with kind of a higher net worth, the answer is pretty easy, right? Focus on what you do for your number one income source and two X that or three X that, right? Um, and if you want exposure to real estate, then invest passively, you know, in these bigger, more efficient projects and you're investing with professional experienced, in, uh, you know, investment teams on the general partnership. Um, so that's always my first suggestion, you know, whether it's someone in the oil and gas industry or doctors or lawyers, like your time is better spent on your number one income source and increasing that income source. And if you want exposure to real estate, which a lot of people do at that, at that point in their, in their kind of wealth travels, um, do it, do so passively. Now, if you, uh, don't have, you know, access to a lot of capital, but you've got a lot of hustle, you can get started right away in single family, build up that net worth. And if you want to go passive after that, that's great. If you want to go active in, in uh, multifamily after that, you've got that route as well. Um, but the key is just getting started. And, you know, it's impossible to ride a bike standing still, you know, and a lot of people are trying to do that, right? They sit in this, this stage of analysis paralysis um, where they're analyzing things to death of whether or not they should get involved. And, and they think they have to have all the money, all the education, all the time to start. And really, you know, I, pe I know people that are very successful that only have one out of those two things. And if you have two out of those two things, there's no excuses. You need to get started today, right? Um, nursing is is my career. I, it's always been my calling and my passion. I graduated from nursing school up north um, in Sacramento, worked in a couple different specialties, different departments, moved down here to Los Angeles, went back to school and got my master's in nursing leadership and administration. I really just love the operations side of things in healthcare. Um, so right now I'm doing that. I oversee multiple departments at a hospital here in LA. Um, I dove into real estate, got bit by the real estate bug pretty bad. Um, while I was on maternity leave with my second daughter, just at home watching YouTube videos, um, discovering financial freedom, passive income, how to generate wealth. Um, real estate was a huge uh, catalyst for that. Uh, started looking into different niches, uh, what I wanted to do. Um, my husband and I kind of figured out a goal plan. And we started investing in single family homes over in Georgia, across the country. And then shortly after, we switched into multifamily. And that was primarily because it seemed like every podcast I was listening to or people I was talking to, the one thing that they wish they would have done was scale sooner. Um, and multifamily really just provides a huge opportunity to scale in the real estate business. Yeah, absolutely. You're absolutely right there. And you know, you kind of touched on it that you began your investing career with single family homes. So there's something I want to talk about there because we did something similar. We first started off with single family homes, you know, buy and hold, stuff like that. So I want to talk about a little bit about that journey. In terms of when you, you know, your kind of path through investing in single family homes, did you take anything away from there, challenges that you had to overcome that really kind of pushed you further into going to multifamily? Um, I would say just to get specific about what you wanted to do, uh, we didn't necessarily have any major challenges. We initially wanted to do the Burr method. That was very appealing to us in terms of making our capital stretch for us and to accumulate that wealth and that snowball. Um, but it, overseeing a complete renovation across the country just 
wasn't really in our comfort level. It, it seems like a lot of work and we were both already doing full-time jobs. We have two young kids at home. I have a three-year-old and a one-year-old here. So it just wasn't really, we felt like it was going to stress us out and it wasn't going to be fun. So we looked into uh, multifamily and just kind of what that entails and syndications and being a passive investor. And initially we were wanting to passively invest in a syndication. And then the more we started looking into it, we're like, this is super cool. We want to operate these. These are, this is, I mean, it seemed ironically a lot of similarities between what I do at work in terms of overseeing different projects, facilitating and collaborating with people to roll out process improvement stuff. So it was very similar to what I was doing. And I was like, I think, I think we can do this. This seems pretty cool. And, um, we educated ourselves more on the process, talked to a bunch of lawyers, made sure we were doing everything by the book, legally sound, and we love it. We're stoked off it. Yeah, that that's awesome. And I kind of want to dive into something you touched on there was, you know, your your the skills that you have in your in your W2 job, you know, as a nurse, they've they've translated into, you know, kind of what you're doing as a multifamily active investor. Can you talk a little bit about more about that? Some of the skills that have actually translated and some, you know, the real benefit of having those already like pre-made basically and you're just sliding these over into this new area. Can you talk about that a little bit more? Yeah, I think you'd be surprised really in any profession, the similarities that you found. I mean, it's building a business. Um, What I was doing in healthcare in terms of operation was really the big projects and the projects with a lot of moving pieces and the collaboration efforts of getting everyone on board. As the full facilitator of some of these process improvement projects, I was collabing with the CFO and then the CNO for certain approval parts of it, collaborating with the doctors in terms of implementing new workflows. And then obviously with the staff and the nurses and the frontline healthcare workers as to what would be feasible in terms of changing things. And then obviously with the patient in mind and providing the best patient care. So a lot of different moving pieces in that, that really applied to what you do in a syndication. You're dealing with brokers and property managers, and you have your CPA and your investors and, um, a, and a lot of things that you need to coordinate. And it's a constant follow-up. I mean, any major project that you implement, even in a W-2 job that a lot of people could relate to is deadlines and the follow-up of like making sure people are doing their part of the project and, um, just really overseeing that. So, so, and that's, that's amazing. I think there's a lot of good stuff there and you make a lot of great points in terms of, you know, cause I found that something similar to myself, you know, I've worked in uh, as an engineer for a while and a lot of the things that I've, I did before I'm doing in my current job, they kind of translate a little bit and I've been able to use that, but there, there, I have to say there are a few areas that I wasn't, uh, that weren't translated, you know, they didn't transfer. And so I had to learn these new skills. Have you found that to be true? And, you know, becoming an active investor, like, Hey, there are skills that I need to learn. And if there are, what are those? Yes. I think the biggest thing for me was the legal side of things. That was honestly what scared me the most of how do you legally raise money? And um, in terms of investors getting their returns, what is promised to them and what liability you own, you hold as an operator in control of people's money for these large investments? What, what risk am I putting myself at by doing these large deals? So that was a huge hurdle that my husband and I really overcame together. And we were on all the calls with the lawyers together. I purchased a couple real estate legal books that were written by CPAs in the real estate world and talking to other syndicators who have done it and kind of 
what they've learned along the process on how you can potentially solicit deals and the wrong way to do things. I think learning from people's mistakes was my, what I wanted to do. I'm like, what did everyone else do that? Like either ended up, you know, in jail or what, and what, how can I not do that? Like, what do I need to not do in order to make this work? My wife has um, experience in working in a, in a hospitality industry business before she was working in the restaurant industry so she got to understand about how to operate a business before in some of, um, you know, she was able to triple the the restaurant sales that she offered for her friend. So that gave her a lot of confidence how to run a business, right? And then the multifamily, if you look at anything above, uh, five units and above, you need to see it as like a business perspective, like how to increase the uh, income and then also minimizing the expenses that way. And for me, um, I come from the consulting background. I understand about project management. so. That's going to make it easier for us to be the strong why with the project management experience and her experience running a business. It kind of helped us for make a transition from single family to multifamily. You know, I think that's huge. You know, you're talking about, you know, basically job experience and what you guys do in your personal life or work. Uh, those skills translating into, you know, like I said, moving into something large, large multifamily, those project management type roles. Uh, I think that's huge. And I think a lot of people who do have W-2 jobs or any type of, you know, full-time job outside of real estate in, who are looking to move into real estate, they might not realize that some of the skills they do possess that will really translate well into multifamily. So I think that's, it's important to recognize. Your experience, your W-2 experience that you bring on the table, that's really helpful. That's your talent, uh, your project management experience, your business acumen. That's an, that's a talent you can bring on the table. How many times that we, we've seen people that actually struggle with Excel or accounting or bookkeeping. That's the talent that you can bring to the table. You're good financial analysis. Uh, you know, you're pretty good with Excel. You know, you're good with numbers, a performer projection. You can bring on the table. Coming from, you know, having the security of that W-2 job and that steady paycheck to like the shift towards entrepreneurship, you know, where it's everything that you can earn is completely up to you. There's no limits now. How does that, how's your mindset play into that? Yeah. Um, in the past, I used to travel a lot. I mean, you know, before pandemic, I traveled Monday to Thursday. And my, you know, I'm making pretty good money as a consultant, tech consulting, um, working for a big corporation, my client's big corporation. And the challenge is also, I have a, a son that grew up, I mean, he's, he's a teenager now, he's 13 years old. And my wife is operating a restaurant and golf course. And he also makes good money also, pretty much all her you know, revenue coming from private event that typically like, uh, you know, birthday party, graduation, wedding, all that happened on the weekend. So as you can imagine that, you know, even though we make a pretty good uh, income, but the time becoming, you know, to spend together, it just becoming tough. And then again, with the strong why we understand that family is very big on us. You know, I, I grew up, you know, uh, with the family are pretty close with each other. And so is my wife's uh, families. So the, the family time is very crucial for us. It's very precious for us. And given that those two limitations, we just figured out, you know what, we got to find a way that, you know, when we can enjoy the time together, we love traveling, by the way. Um, you know, our most memorable moment that when I was traveling as a consultant, I got a, a chance to go to Europe and took them with me, which is really, uh, you know, something that we always treasure to now. So with that kind of mindset and strong why, you know, it's easier for us. What kind of business or what kind of uh, hustle that we can do 
to give us the, the passive income, yet also liberate us to do what we want and whatever we want. You're coming from the medical field, your, your days start early, your day goes long. How do you find that additional time to, to work on your real estate goals? And, and how does that affect like the balance of you know, raising a family and that whole point? And how do you keep from burning out while doing all that? Well, I, I, you know, I, I've always heard you when you find something that you're truly passionate about or you love doing it, you don't look at it like work. I was like, yeah, whatever. But it, I mean, it's true. I just I enjoy it. I find time. I don't treat patients on Fridays uh, today. And so uh, a lot of that, uh, you know, a lot of this time is geared towards learning about that, you know, blogging or podcast interviews uh, in between patients, you know, whenever I can find time. But again, I have my balance, you know, I'm, when I'm here at work, that's what I'm focused on. But when I get finished, you know, uh, I take care of my health, whether working out or playing tennis or sports with my kids and then family time. But so it has to be very structured and balanced. If not, you know, I'd be all over the place. So I'm, I'm a um, very, uh, or I try to be as structured as possible. Um, I always, I've always told my wife, you know, I'd be really easy to, to have her uh, call somebody to take me out because you know exactly where I'm going to be every <laughs> pretty much. Oh yeah. Nine o'clock. He's here. Yeah. Yeah. You can, you can find him here. You can take him out here, you know? So uh, I'm, I'm definitely a creature of habit. Uh, I do. The, I mean, do the same thing all the time. Uh, I read the same, you know, read at the same time, read my Bible in the morning, read three to four books at night, you know, just kind of an ongoing deal. So it's just, I, I find time, it, you know, it's, you can go and actually Google like what statistics America. I, I was just researching this other day for an article like statistics Americans use their time with, whether it's sleeping, social media was like two and a half hours a day or something like that. Crazy. Uh, so just think about that. There's two and a half hours. If you get off Facebook, two and a half hours a day times, you know, 365 days a year. That's a lot of time you can put towards. It's true. You know? Um, it's kind of like people will find the time what's important to them, just like people will find the money, the way to get money to what to buy whatever's important to them. How many times you see a hobo with a cell phone or something like that? I mean, they're they're going to find a way to get money or to get a vehicle, whatever, even though they may live under a bridge. So it's what's important to people yeah. that they'll find time for. And you've got to make that important enough to you you gotta you know the you know the book simon sonic your why you gotta have a why that's pushing you every day hey i've got to do this for my family or i have to do this for me or, or whatever hey thanks for listening to today's episode head over to itunes to subscribe to the show and while you're there we really appreciate you leaving a rating and written review if you have any questions or topics you'd like to hear on the show connect with us on social media or through our website at twosmartassets.com we look forward to speaking to each and every one of you. Talk to you soon.